job. But until now, no one ordered him to stay in one room. There was the kitchen, large and spotless, and the formal dining room, with six chairs lined up as straight as soldiers at the gleaming dark table. The living room had stiff-looking chairs and a couch. The bed in the bedroom was as neatly made as one in a hotel room. There were no magazines, no clothes draped over chairs, and no stray mugs or plates around the TV. It wasn't at all like Andy's apartment. The door next to the bedroom was locked. Andy jiggled the door handle, shrugged, and started to work. He took a crowbar and started prying the rotten wood away from the wall. The window was redwood. It had once been beautiful. He wondered why Marcus, with his magazine-perfect apartment, had let his windows become ruined. Around noon, he stopped and ate a sandwich. It was so quiet he could hear himself chew. Eight stories below the city traffic was a quiet hum. Twice he heard the distant slam of a door in another apartment. That was all. He went back to work carefully lifting glass from the rotted sashes, when suddenly the back of his neck prickled. He turned around quickly, scanning the empty room. He'd been sure that someone was watching him. A while later, Andy again got the feeling that he was being watched. He spun around in time to see the locked door move from slightly open to closed. He walked over and tapped on it. "'Who's there?' he asked loudly. What's going on? He stopped and listened, but the dead silence of the apartment fell around him like a blanket. Now he wondered if he'd been imagining things. He shook his head and went back to the windows. Finding a rock station on the radio, he turned it up loud. The place was just too quiet. At 5.30 sharp, Marcus Chung came home and inspected Andy's work. He brushed a piece of lint off his expensive suit and gave a slight nod. Andy got the impression that the work he'd done wasn't great, but it would have to do. Andy had intended to ask him about the locked room, but as he looked at Marcus's tight face, he changed his mind. He left, happy to get back to the noise and color of the bustling streets. Andy had no time to go home. He bought a sandwich, which we ate while waiting for the streetcar out to City College. That night he had a quiz in anatomy and an endless lab session in physiology to look forward to. It was almost ten when he got to his basement apartment. It smelled heavily of pizza. His roommate Wes had taken over the living room. He and three of his friends were playing video games. Andy closed the door to his room, stuffed cotton in his ears, and studied until one in the morning. The next morning he overslept. Seven minutes late,' Marcus scolded with an accusing glare. "'Sorry,' Andy muttered, seeing that no excuse would be accepted. When Marcus left, Andy quickly set to work. He wanted this job finished.' Seven minutes late,' he muttered between his teeth. Then he carelessly jerked a pane of glass from the sash bar. When it shattered, his hand was lined with red streaks. "'Ah!' he yelled, doubling over in pain. 
soft footsteps pattered up behind him. He caught a glimpse of a young woman's face. But then she bent over his hand and her black hair hid her face. She wrapped his hand in a towel and pressed it against his stomach. The strength of her fingers surprised him. Hold it still, she said. Then she ran to the bathroom, her bare feet almost soundless on the floor. In a flash, she returned with a first aid kit. Once more, she bent over the hand, swabbing the cuts with antiseptic. He looked away, feeling sick and weak. The little finger's been hurt the worst, she murmured. You're probably going to need some stitches. A few minutes later, his hand was cleaned and bandaged. Except for his little finger, the pain wasn't so bad now. Hey, thanks a lot, he said. But the young woman wasn't listening. She was staring.